Hi, my name is John Kane, and although this podcast is about old people having fun, I'm sure that everyone who's been on this planet long enough knows life isn't always fun. Sometimes we have disappointments and setbacks. For some people, occasionally, these are serious. The person I'll be talking with today, Dan Miller, over a decade ago was a very happy and a very successful businessman. He was flying platinum status all over the country, making lots of money. Today I'll be asking Dan what happened to drastically change his life and how he overcame the obstacles thrown at him and now once again is not only enjoying life himself, but also lifts the spirits of those around him. Dan, thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast. Well, John, first of all, I want to congratulate you on your podcast, and I want to tell you how much I have enjoyed it already. Oh, great. Thank you. I think the theme is you know, very compelling. I think it's meaningful, and um, I've enjoyed getting to listen to a couple of your interviews. Uh-huh. Obviously, our mutual friend Marvin is, is yeah. just a great guy to, <laughs> to include, and so, um, so yeah, I, I well, think what you're doing is terrific. Well, thanks for coming. I think... You can follow up real well uh, on him and Dave. I think. Uh, well, I think I'm we'll really, have a, a good conversation here for okay. a little while. So that sounds good. Thank you for being here. Absolutely, it's my pleasure. So you know, the title of your podcast is "Old People Having Fun," and mm-hmm. um, and I love that. Uh, as I've thought about it since we first talked, I would modify it slightly in my case to say "Old People Having Fun." Again, okay, and and here's where I'm going with that. Uh, I think this angle, adding the again, will resonate with a number of your listeners. Many persons have had a setback experience in their lives, and they can relate to the idea of overcoming a challenging circumstance and getting back to having fun or experiencing joy. You know, we could say that we've all collectively navigated this dislocated terrain of the COVID epidemic the last few years. And, uh, you know, what most people long for is a return to the simple joy and fun of normalcy. How nice it is just to return to normalcy. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. As they say, sometimes you don't know what you've got until you've lost it. And maybe that's a good place to start your story. Let's start at the time you lost it. Could you describe what was happening in your life 10 years ago? Uh, I was a patient in an inpatient physical rehabilitation hospital in Kansas City at that time. Uh, I arrived there following a serious and precipitous decline in my health. Uh, I'd lost all of my strength, dropped over 50 pounds in a matter of weeks, wow. and was shedding muscle at an alarming rate. Lots of ancillary uh, ways this was presenting. Uh, there were pulmonary considerations. Anything having to do with muscle tissue was a, a danger zone for me. So um, when I was admitted to the hospital, I was unable to even ambulate from the car to the door. And uh, it began, I was diagnosed with something called antisynthetase syndrome in 2006. And for five years, I was able to manage it pharmaceutically. You were able to keep working and... Kept working, remained very active. Uh-huh. Um, I was in the musical instrument business, and uh, you know we sold pianos. I would personally unload a semi-trailer full of 
full of uh, inventory. Wow. Uh, you know, no. Um, so physically, you were yeah, good. No, no issues. I took a few right. pills and and right. and uh, you know, I was I was in good shape. Did you have a prognosis at that point? Did they tell you? Uh, you know, the initial prognosis uh, when I first got my diagnosis was um, hopeful. It, uh-huh. it, it was a positive prognosis that was hopeful based on uh, the um, belief of my diagnosing rheumatologist that we had caught it very early. Very fortunate that we did. So what was your first clue that something wasn't right? I discovered this illness quite by accident uh, where I had a location, a retail location in the Kansas City area. There was a gentleman who was a personal trainer kind of a very specialized, focused uh, type of training he did. And he had an interest in playing the guitar, and, and he had approached me a number of times and wanted to trade me a guitar for getting me in tip-top shape. And his name was Dan, too. And Dan said to me, come on, I want to do a deal with you. I'll get you in great shape. And and finally, he caught me at a weak moment. and That's probably a good idea. Yeah. It, well, it ended up being a yeah. life-saving outcome. Yeah, and, right. and, you know, I, I think about that, too, and how, you know, something like that is probably beyond coincidence. And, right, yeah. And so, uh, anyway, um, so I started working out with Dan, and a part of that that workout included doing some boxing. Uh-huh. And I had never been a boxer and and the only boxing i did was probably with siblings (laughs) the bare knuckle variety right but but uh but anyway um in the process of doing the boxing segment of this workout i noticed these really peculiar swellings that were happening in my hands and joints Mm. and i had pain in my uh in my biceps both sides and it was just the beginning of a lot of really peculiar Right, um, presentation of what would later be diagnosed as antisynthetase syndrome. Uh, anyway, so uh, my physician down there uh, was on this, and after the first appointment I had with him, he wrote that that word on a piece of paper and slid it across the desk, and he said to me, "It'll be months before we'll know, but this is where I believe we're going to end up." Wow, and he was right. And he was right, yeah. Wow. And I, I just think the world of that physician. Yeah. And uh, So anyway, I was diagnosed with uh, the, the condition in June of 2006. In five years, I did great. There was minimal impact on my life. But in 2011, that changed, and I began to incur a setback. And that setback changed everything in my life. Um, you know, small businesses at that time were still struggling in 2011, uh, coming out of the recession that resulted in bank bailouts and the TARP right. funds and everything we lived through at that time. And we might and, get into this later, but you were I was an independent. Uh, I was an independent business, business owner yeah. at that time, yeah. Right. And, uh, and I was facing those realities at the same time as the sudden and serious health matter. And, right. uh, you know, it was determined to take me out, to be frank. So, at this point in time, you're Health is deteriorating rapidly, uh, and to add insult to injury, the market snows diving. Um, I think a lot of people would just hang it up here. How'd you get through this? I mean, as you said, this thing appeared to be determined to take you out. But I was determined to live and uh, and have fun again. Yeah. 
Um, and I had a ton of assistance and expertise surrounding me. That doctor, uh, Dr. Koenig in Kansas City, uh, is just a superstar. Uh, he's an army doc, and, and he did everything he could on my behalf. Um, the rehab team at St. Luke's there helped me immensely, pushed me, guided me, and my family were vital to succeeding and uh, to my succeeding. And you know, I'm also a, a person of faith, and and I learned, I leaned immensely on sure, that during the uh, unforgiving journey back to life. So, right. So, uh, so that's kind of you know the. The backdrop, I suppose, right. of uh, of what today to be old. I live to be old, <laughs> thank God. And uh, right, better than the alternative. Yeah, it beats the alternative <laughs> for sure. And uh, you know, um, the uh, appreciation for the significance of of being sure that we have fun and that we find joy. Right. It's it's a non negotiable to me in right. life. You know, it's yeah. just. It, they say laughter is the best medicine, and yeah. and the act of having fun. Well, uh, being around you, you uh, incite a lot of laughter. I, <laughs> I can say from my experience being with you. Well, thank you. I hope I hope that mostly that's been a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I think it is a good thing, uh, and it appears having an upbeat attitude was a key part of your recovery. I think you know. I have been very fortunate to have uh, to have had a lot of people in support of me, and uh, and that has helped. But I, I guess I do believe a lot in the um, in our ability to have an influence, a positive influence, through our attitude and through our mindset. Right, and you know. Medical facts are medical facts. You, 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 can't, you don't serve your purposes by living in denial of what's real and what's true. But I still believe it's an enchanted universe. And every day yeah. I wake up and, and you know, I'm breathing and, and I'm aware, right. it's a great opportunity to go out and seize the day. That's a great attitude. And, and I do believe attitude, yeah. you know, has a lot to do with, with how we... Uh, come through these kinds of challenges. For me, you know, I was uh, I was out of work, unable to work from roughly November of 2011 until August of 2012. And during that period of time, I encountered all these just, you know, significant health challenges that, that precluded me from being able to work. But Coming out of that physical rehabilitation experience, I was weak. I could hardly stand on my feet for a whole workday, but I was determined to do something. And in August of 2012 uh, until October of 2019, seven years uh, after that that worst setback, right. I, um, I was able to work. And it's interesting. I, although I was working as an employee of a company, not as, uh, you know, versus being in business, uh, those years are among the most meaningful years in my career. Huh. I had a terrific time working with people for whom I have deep respect and admiration. Uh, I joined the Sleep Number Company after meeting with a, a multi-store leader 
uh, of that organization who lives in Kansas City. Uh, he offered me a management role here in Iowa City, and I had not been in the Iowa City area really since the late 70s. But, you know, mm -hmm. anybody who has spent any time here has been charmed by this place. Right. And, and the prospect, you know, our kids are, are now uh, uh, in 2012, our youngest had graduated from high school, and they were all out on their way, and, and you know, I had the latitude and flexibility to to go somewhere else. And, right. And, uh, and that sounded really appealing to me. So we got together, and, and uh, you know, I took him up on that offer, and uh, it ended up just being a great time. And in the process, professionally, uh, I was given an opportunity to work at a lot of special events, um, state fairs, expos, etc. And uh, that environment, if you like people, is just a blast. And you like people. Oh, I, I, I can and, tell. Yeah. And I love the fair. And, <laughs> right, yeah. And, you know, some people... Uh, you know, have said that they're certain I got in touch with my inner Carney in that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. in that uh, process, and and there may be some some truth yeah. to that. But uh, I know, can see that <laughs> it was just tremendous fun. I worked state fairs in Florida, North Carolina, California, New York, uh -huh. and of course the granddaddy of the Iowa State Fair. Right, and uh, and it's just such a terrific environment, and uh, I was able to do that until. Um, the fall till about October of uh, 2019. Um, I, at that point, you know, what what hasn't happened is my condition has not gone away. Right. Uh, I go in every month and and I get uh, infusions. I've been doing that uh, every month since 2012. Uh, I get IVIG two days uh, every four weeks. And, um, you know, uh, I still take a, a bunch of other um, medicines to treat the condition. But it has allowed me to, uh, to continue to be very active right. within the reality of, of my condition. In, 20, uh, in the fall of 2019, you know, it reached a point where th sustaining that level of activity, um, being on my feet at a fair booth, you know, for... 10 hours right. or something. It was too much. It was yeah. just not. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I had to, you know, much as I hated to, I yeah. had to recognize that. And so, uh, so you know, you move on. Right. And, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, uh, shortly after that, COVID happened. So, you know, like everybody yeah. else, I got a couple more years of, of a sabbatical out of the deal. And, right. And so, uh, and right. and then, uh, you know, as, uh, as you and I have talked, you're aware I... On a limited basis, I am able to do these um, these transfers of fleet vehicles, uh -huh. and um, and that has set me up for a great time. Uh, uh -huh. You know, in different. Now, could you explain that? What that means? Sure. So, um, so there are companies that have uh, fleet vehicles. So, uh, let's say an insurance company. Um, has uh, I don't know maybe maybe they have a hundred cars in a fleet, huh. and and, um, and there are companies that supply them with those cars. They right. lease them, um, and they coordinate maintenance and and uh, you know all these uh, 
uh, all these factors that influence. And it saves an insurance company or someone from having to go out and, and own all of that capital property. Uh, I'm sure it's more favorable for them to to lease that. And a lot of the busy work goes with it. So we're just a small piece in that, whereupon we move those vehicles from point A to point B. Let's say that an insurance adjuster in Indianapolis um, has left the organization and he had a car. And pretty close to that same timeline, somebody was hired in Denver who needs a car. So, uh, you know, I might jump in the car and drive from Indianapolis to Denver and right. leave. And, and then at that point, um, you know, I'm standing on the corner in, in Denver. Winslow, Arizona. <laughs> Such a fine sight to see. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have to, uh, get, you know, get back uh, here to Iowa City. And so, um, so I use public transportation. But I am a fan of anything that's an alternative to air travel. For many years, I, I flew a lot, mm. platinum, you know, uh, and, um, and I've spent as much time as I really care to flying in airplanes. And not right. afraid of flying. I just don't appreciate the experience. Right. So, um, so I utilize Amtrak. I love to ride on the train. Uh, and I use Greyhound or other bus lines, and uh, and that is really where the the richness and the depth of what I get to experience today, uh, it's where I'm finding it. And um, and what I can tell you is that you know we hear talk about the other half of America, right? And, and I can report to you from the rails and trails <laughs> uh, that. Um, that those transportation forms are busy, they are active, and there are people for whom that is how they move about in our country. They right. don't even think about flying. Right. And, uh, you know, I frequently find myself on a bus or, or on an Amtrak that is 100% full. And you're comfortable traveling on Amtrak and... Well, you know, you, you know buses. the the uh, the comfort of riding in in an Amtrak train, passenger train, uh-huh. is the most comfort. That's the highest level of comfort, I believe. You have a large seat, and uh-huh. and it you know you have all this room. You can get up and move about. They have a cafe car where you can go get a a pizza and a beer, or you know whatever <laughs> right whatever is appealing to you, and. Um, and so that's really comfortable, right? Um, uh, you know, in every sense. Uh, I think the least comfortable way of traveling is in an airplane. Yeah, it has the advantage of speediness. So you you know you've got to be patient to use these other two forms of transportation, right? And they are prone to schedule um, shifts. Right. You know, uh, it's a nice way to put it. <laughs> coming from <laughs> right. from somewhere has to pass through a weather right. system, and you know, everything's off by three, four hours, and so you got to deal with that. Uh, but what you have available to experience in a human sense uh, when you're riding in these uh, buses and trains, 
is far beyond what happens my, uh, on, on a plane. My experience with air travel is everybody is in a bubble. Everybody's right. uptight. People are not friendly. People are pushing to see who can get to the front of the line, you know, and and trying every yeah. angle they can to, <laughs> to get an edge so that they'll be, you know, in the first group that gets to go on or whatever. The, That's been my experience, too. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a universal experience. Um, I find that most of the people traveling in the other two forms of transportation are cordial, friendly, mm-hmm. conversational, uh-huh. um, you know, helpful to one another. And, and there's a different level of patience that is baked into the, um, into the experience of travel. They're just more, more prepared to be patient, more willing to be patient when something comes up. Not, not 100%, you know. There's representative samplings of all folks. <laughs> and, but, but on the whole, my experience. Yeah, great. That's, so, so you're having fun. Well, I am. These. So I am having fun, <laughs> and and a lot of what makes the fun are the the very colorful experiences that I get to uh, get to witness. Sometimes find myself in the middle. And I've been, uh, you, you know, we've talked about this. I've been, uh, you know, journaling many of those experiences um, because uh, you know I I think I might. Uh, like to try and do a podcast. Yeah, I think that you should. Goes into from into the excerpts I've heard yes. <laughs> at a bar. You know, talk to you, it's they're pretty fascinating experiences. Actually, uh, after hearing some of your experiences, I, I find myself wanting to take a train or bus somewhere just for the experience of the journey. Uh, I, th- I think we have a little time left here. Could you possibly share an example? Uh, of one of your experiences on the road? Example, I, I don't know if I told you that uh, one time I left Philadelphia on a bus, kind of early evening. Uh, it was supposed to leave at 7.30 p.m. or something. Mm-hmm. And that bus was going to take me to Chicago, so a pretty long trip. And uh, the bus was delayed quite a long time. It was coming from New York City, and I think it was mm-hmm. delayed about three hours. Finally got there. We were finally able to get on the road, and you know, um, it was a unique individual that was driving that bus. I, I, I want to tell you that on the whole, I find the bus drivers are very responsible, uh. terrific persons, very much dedicated to the care of the people on board, and um, and they, you know. Uh, they take care of you, and you know, on a whole, they're they're really good. This particular individual probably had something going on. Um, maybe shouldn't have been driving the bus. Uh, as we got into Western PA, we hit a horrific storm that was, you know, a combination between a, a thunderstorm and snow and heavy winds, and you know, blinding visibility. And this guy is swerving, uh, wow. you know, past semis, and and oh my god, it, he was he sh- he ought not to have been right. driving the bus, and passengers are expressing their fear and their concern very audibly. I, I, I mean, the <laughs> the shouts are coming, you know, from the back of the bus, and uh, you know, people are just really flipping out, and yeah, 
And uh, he went as far as Pittsburgh, and then we were able to change, get a new driver, and, and we right. continued on. And that route takes you through Columbus, Ohio, and and yeah. uh, and Dayton, and uh, eventually you uh, you end up in Indianapolis. So we survived all that. I, I recorded some of the voices, and, and I'll <laughs> use those be in the future. Yeah. yeah. But we survived that, and you know it's six thirty or seven in the morning, and and I walk into the bus terminal in Indianapolis, and I head for the corner where the men's room is, and I walk in the men's room, and flames are coming out of the trash can. <laughs> just when you think you're safe, four or five <laughs> feet in the air, and I'm just like, oh my god, can we believe this? <laughs> so that led to an alarm going off, and and everybody had to be evacuated, and. The, the fire department came and, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what a trip. <laughs> it, it was indeed, yeah. How, how can that not be fun, yeah. right? No, it's, it's yeah, it, no, that's, that's perfect. And there's, a, there's something, I think, that's very um, significant, significant about interacting with humanity. And, right. and at the end of the day, for me, that's really the, the, the excitement and the joy of the gig is just interacting with other yeah. human and it, beings. it sounds like on that trip you all kind of bonded a little bit absolutely. together yeah absolutely you know, through fear yeah <laughs> <laughs> that is a great bus experience uh, i know i'm i'm keeping you here longer than we originally planned but could you possibly have time for a train story well the trains are the best of course and uh <laughs> you, you know and i i guess i should say I take a lot of flack from certainly from some of my family members and and friends and acquaintances and and they have a habit of hanging all these monikers on me like you know uh, the vagabond or, or you know this this wanderer who who's right. you know determined to leave home and and go out and get in all of these sometimes precarious situations but but. Um, yeah, so uh, so let me tell you about a crazy thing that happened when I was getting ready um, to board the Amtrak in Portland, Oregon. Okay. This was uh, early February of this year, and um, and it was a Sunday. Uh, it was a beautiful day, and of course that's a mild climate uh, right. in Oregon and uh, in the Willamette Valley and in particular up in Portland and so it was it was nice it was probably mid 50s Sunday afternoon and I was seated uh, that's a beautiful old terminal train terminal in Portland and and I was seated outside uh, there's some benches and kind of a neat park area across mm-hmm. this uh, street and um, and people are just mingling around simultaneously there are the many tents and shelters and structures that have been erected by people who are homeless and and there's a uh, there's some kind of a unique um, ordinance in Oregon Mm -hmm. and in Portland that said or says that uh, that you can camp anywhere I, oh. I don't know enough details to sound like I know what it's I'm talking about. It's homeless friendly. It's very homeless friendly, and they have learned that, and they have set up uh, camp. And hmm. uh, and so, you know, that comes right up to the property line of the uh, 
train station. And there are security personnel, and they do a good job of keeping everything back off the, the uh, campus of the train terminal. But it's right there. And, um, and so there is some interaction from time to time. And, you know, a lot of those people are not well. There's mental right. health uh, that's on plainly visible. Um, you know, uh, you'll have someone shouting and, and you know, um, distraught, uh, you know, voicing quite audibly whatever is bothering them. Right. While people are coming and going to jump on the train. And so, you know, it's just all kind of coexist. Well, on that particular Sunday, I'm sitting out there. I think my departure was about 4 o'clock that afternoon. I got there early, and uh, and I'm sitting outside just kind of enjoying the sun. And, and it's early February. I know where I'm headed. It's not going to be like that. And so, um, anyway, I, uh, I'm sitting there. I begin a conversation with a gentleman from, uh, oh, I guess he was from rural Ohio, kind of southwest Ohio, mm-hmm. and he was on his way back there, um, kind of at a transitional time in his life. We were talking about that, and, uh, you know, just easy conversation, and I observed this young woman walking in a very purposeful, determined way um, across the length of sidewalk from out in this park area toward the entrance to the bus terminal. And she's wearing a long coat, like a trench coat type of thing. And she is walking a straight line, very focused mm-hmm. on going right to the terminal door. And I didn't think much about it. She stood out to me because of the long coat. and But, you know, I just I, I didn't have any reason to suspect anything. Well, she got right up to the entrance to the train terminal, and a security guy apprehends her, kind of got her backed into the corner, and he had his hands holding her forearms. And eventually, what came out from under the trench coat was a logger saw. And oh it was God. about five feet long, you know, with those big aggressive teeth, right? Like the, like before <laughs> chainsaws. I, I imagine this as being what was right. used yeah. to cut down Get Douglas two guys. fir trees. Yeah, and, you know. Wow. And, and uh, well, it, it wasn't one with a handle on both sides. It was oh. a single. Oh, okay. But but it was uh, it was right. a gnarly looking saw for sure. Not something they usually allow on the train no (laughs) no or much less in the station and i was just like you know it had a startling effect to say the least (laughs) so so that was uh that was an amusing uh yeah kind of experience and a a little bit alarming um but uh so he he must have known somehow what she had underneath yeah he he spotted something right And, and, and then just as a um you know, an encore to that, this kid, maybe 11 or 12 years old, pedals up on a bicycle, and he has a cane, a, a, an aluminum cane in the color gold, and he says, hey, I just thought I should tell you I found this cane up on your roof. And I'm thinking to myself, now, I can't do justice. This is a steep 
clay tile roof. I have yeah. no idea what that kid was doing up there if he yeah. was. Right. And and much less why would why would a cane be up yeah. on the, yeah. somebody with a cane throw it up there? Yeah, yeah it would have had, <laughs> it would have been a, a substantial. So these kinds of things, you know, the things that happen. Uh, I I did end up boarding the train. I got to know the gentleman from Ohio a little bit. Had had some great conversation. It was a it was an adventure coming back because you may recall that earlier this year there were there were several days where there were just unbelievable winds uh, uh, blowing throughout the central U.S. and uh, the western U- western states. And oh, is that the derecho thing? Well, I, I don't know if it was a derecho. Okay, uh, but it was a um, it it was a, a very powerful yeah uh, level of wind. And in uh, in Montana, there's a place called the Cutbank Creek, and there's a Cutbank Creek trestle bridge that mm-hmm. is 180 feet above the creek. Wow. And there's no side rails, or any, not that wow. it would stop a train, but it's just open to the sides. Wow! So uh, you know, for a little added adventure, we got held at the Cutbank trestle. <laughs> And that was in because that windstorm? they clocked winds at 83 mile per hour oh going across that. I don't know what technology they have to read that wind, right. but but somehow or another. So we got, uh, you know we were held there for gosh four four and a half hours. And, wow! You know those kinds of delays. It, yeah. I don't think anybody wanted the engineer to to venture across that. No. Trestle. Yeah. But nobody likes the idea of being delayed and. Just sitting out in the wide open space of Montana, <laughs> but uh, but it was the right thing to do, and yeah. we did that. And so, uh, yeah, you know, the thing that happens, John, on the train is that you really have the opportunity to interact socially with right. the other passengers. The the cafe car, um, the uh, the uh, double decker car where you can go up and right. view scenic view, the, yeah, yep. the sightseeing and right. and. Uh, and people uh, people do that, and uh, the um, well, you know, you can go down there and get a beer, and and yeah. uh, you know, you can you can go take that up and enjoy beautiful scenery through there, and 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 in the process, you get to know people. I I met a gentleman uh, who was going to the Twin Cities, who um, is a self acting advocate for veterans. He himself oh. is a veteran, but but he is. Focused on um, the the dual issues of of mental health and uh, substance abuse and alcoholism, oh. and oh. and he self functions in that role with essentially no budget. But he had made the trip out to uh, Portland because he had gotten a tip about someone who really needed help, knowing how to navigate the system. So oh. so this individual. So- is himself a, 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 a dual, yeah, dual issue person, and he learned by his own experience how to navigate those oh. challenges. So now he takes it to people who need it, and, and he and funds it, himself. He funds himself wow. on a shoestring, and uh, that's pretty neat. And it was very cold for a part of this, and and you know I had enjoyed some great conversation with him, and he got ready to leave, and and he hands me this. Well-worn, um, multicolored knit Afghan, and uh, and he said, you know, he's getting off in Minneapolis, and he said, you know, 
um, I was going on to Chicago, of course. He said, uh, you know, um, I want you to keep this Afghan. And, you know, I'd bought him a couple cups of coffee. Right. Uh, um, and and had conversation. I'm like, oh, I don't need your Afghan. He's like, no. He's like, you know, this has been passed along um, about four or five times now by one person to the next to the next. And uh, it's just... Its its purpose is to be passed along, and you'll know when. Yeah, you'll know when it's time to pass it on. Wow, that all happened on one trip. I think maybe a lot of us are missing out not only on the adventures of this kind of travel, but as you say, the people experience. Uh, I really am glad you're sharing this, and I look forward to, as you call it, your Rails and Trails podcast. And my final take on this, Dan, is that even though you are becoming more limited in what you can do, you seem to be realizing that you are unlimited in the amount of joy and fun you can get out of life. You're an inspiration to me and hopefully to the people listening to this podcast. Thank you very much for sharing your story with us. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Absolutely.